So let's go ahead and do that. I'm going to hit record on this guy. Okay, so let's do take one of your station ID thing. Go ahead. All right. This is Kathy Draghi with Jeff Smith. We are on the Vroom Vroom Veer podcast. Watch out for the road. And what's your URL again? Where can people? Oh, yeah, I should ahead. say that. Yeah. That's- you can find me at kathyduraghi.com. Duragi, Duragi. See, I was saying it wrong. (laughs) Great. Uh, Awesome. Okay. I'm going to hit stop. I'll be right back. Duragi. How was that? That was perfect. Right. Oh, shoot. I didn't hit stop. (laughs) Are you ready to thoughtfully steer away from your revved up, frenzied, and far too often scripted life? Then welcome to Vroom Vroom Veer with Jeff Smith where he guides you down the road differently traveled by sharing unique experiences with guests who have managed to shift away from a life stuck on cruise control and veered their way into a more authentic and fulfilling one in all sorts of interesting and kind of remarkable ways. Get ready to Vroom Vroom Veer with your differently traveled road chauffeur, Jeff Smith. Thank you so much for being on Vroom Vroom Veer and welcome to the show. How's it going, man? You know, school's almost out. So it's the calm before the storm. I'm at home by myself working, but soon that will not be. All right. Sounds like you're doing pretty good. So talk a little bit about uh, what you're most excited about over there at smirknewmedia.com. Well, you know, we've got a lot of good stuff cooking. You know, we've had... A good few years, and and 2022 is turning out to be uh, the same. Good news. So we've got a a couple of good uh, big clients that we're onboarding. Um, You know, doing some social media and social media customer service for them. So we really got a great team looking for people to add to, and and, uh, things are cooking. I like it. It's good to know things are cooking. <laughs> so, okay. So let's talk a, a little bit about some things that we're going to talk about later. So tell me, tease me a story that you want to share later that we're not going to talk about yet. Uh, well, my big story is uh, what, I, what I tell people, um, how fake it till you make it uh, turned into a hand grenade that blew up in my life. Yes, which I love. Yeah. I love because that is like the advice of all entrepreneurs, right? Fake it till you make it. Yeah, that's it's a lie. It, it's a right. lie, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> yes. So that that story <laughs> is definitely coming down the road. Okay, but before we get to fake it is a make it is a lie, let's. This is Vroom Vroom Veer, right? So in Vroom Vroom Veer, we have to go back in time and talk a little bit about uh, you and your stories from your childhood and high school and. All those things where you scratch your brain cells and find some stories that maybe you don't get to share in other shows. So where did you grow up? What was your childhood like? Uh, So I grew up, I was born in the St. Louis area and grew up in Springfield, Missouri, which is tucked down into the Ozarks. Right. uh, America's America's most generic town. Um, (laughs) Okay. and, (laughs) And, you know, really... I was, you know, it was a pretty normal kid, you know, we're a middle-class family. My dad was in the newspaper business, worked at the newspaper there in Springfield. And that, I sort of caught that bug from him. All right. Um, You know, and just was, I, 
a kid of the 80s. You know, I always tell my family, the kids in Stranger Things, that was, they're the same age as me. So yes. 19, 1985 is the best year in pop culture history. And that was, <laughs> I was, I was 13 years old. Yeah. G.I. Joe was on TV. Right. Back to the Future was in the movie theater. And, yeah. and the world was good. So, yeah, you know, I'm, I was, uh, I'm 50, almost 53. So. Yeah, I turned 50 this year. Congratulations. Get a colonoscopy. (laughs) (laughs) But when I saw, when I saw stranger things that I have to go back and watch like the first couple episodes because they, they were front loaded with things that would make 80 kids, eighties kids just freak out and they're, Mm -hmm. and they don't say anything. So did you notice, did you notice that one of the kids in the school was, uh, was carrying a, uh, a trapper and a trapper keeper? Uh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and they were, and I actually had that, uh, I think it was, they were playing the, um, the game dungeon, which was like yeah. a board game version of D and D. It's in my closet over Isn't here. Behind. Yeah, I, <laughs> no, had, I was like, I had I dungeon. That I, and I played D and D too. So yeah, yeah, I was that kid too. Yes. I played D and D. Yeah, you know, GI Joe, Transformers. I loved all that. Were my stuff. jam, and all of that pop culture just went straight into my brain. Yeah, you know, my parents. My parents worked a lot, so we were. That was also like the early days of cable TV. So there was a lot of sitting in front of the TV. Yeah, I and knew M- what, MTV I, was cool, right? And we mm-hmm. were we were. I, I don't know about you, but I, when I was younger, so you were a little bit. You're a little bit younger than me. But mm-hmm. most of my life, we only had like cable, but it wasn't like cable now, right? It was sort right. of like like the antenna TV with a couple extra channels. <laughs> right. And the thing that sat yeah. on top, the, the channel changer that sat on top of the TV? Yes. The dial. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> and we went through a bunch of really bad TVs. You know, yeah. uh, uh, but we were definitely a TV on family, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know about you, but like we we also camped like a lot, like every weekend we would go out and just for the weekend, just, you know, in the summertime, it's like, OK, let's go be in the woods now. Uh, but mm-hmm. the first thing you I did when I got back on Sunday evening or whenever we got back from the camping trip was run in the house and turn on the TV. Right. <laughs> and it's not we're not going to sit down and watch it. It just has to be on. Right. So yeah. anyway, so that's awesome. So you, you and I had a very I grew up in Michigan. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, probably pretty similar to uh, to your childhood watching TV mm-hmm. uh, and hanging out in the 80s with all that like uh, acid, acid wash jeans and bad hair. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. So. So, yeah, we moved to Springfield right between my sixth and seventh grade year. So that was awkward, but that was just describes all of middle school. Okay. But, you know, through, you know, actually through comic books and through, you know, watching movies, I found a really great group of friends that are still friends of mine to this day. Oh, that's awesome. You know, I call and text all these guys um, all the time. Uh, We're going to go this summer and go see Weird Al Yankovic in concert. So that's (laughs) that's sort of. The lane I'm driving. The lane I'm driving in. I love it. That's great. And um, Th- that would be fun. Sounds like a blast. You know, and really, you know, really grew up in Springfield back uh, in the in the day when everything was different and kids could just run around. Yes. And do whatever. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I mean, when I was a little kid, when I say this, like we played games called Kick the Can, and that mm-hmm. sounds like like the the most poorest like thing that. 
a, a sad poor kid could do is <laughs> you know, look sad and right. kick a can around, but it was the best game ever. I don't know if you ever ever played Kick the Can, but it was awesome. Yes. Well, it's like Stranger Things, where you could just go ride bikes. I mean, totally. I would ride my I would ride yes. my bike miles and miles away, and Me then too. at and then at six o'clock or whatever, my dad would just open the back door and yell. And then if I was in earshot, it was time to come home. <laughs> yeah. So my dad, my dad had a whistle. <laughs> That's okay. okay. It wasn't a no. He used his fingers, right? Yeah. <laughs> but it was his whistle, right? Whatever mm -hmm. it was, I can't remember the sound, uh, mm -hmm. and I can't make it either. But when I heard it, I knew it was time to come eat, right? So even yeah. like I, it, when we were camping, he could whistle from the campsite towards the beach, and we knew oh, wow. we had to go back to the campsite. Wow. <laughs> No, that sounds right. Yeah, right. That's that's what our childhood was like. Completely different from, and you know, not any of the helicopter thing at all. Because my no, I don't know about your parents, but my parents were partiers. <laughs> no, mine, no, mine too. Okay, there you go. <laughs> right. So the you only know, the only time they they would have emotions that I would see was when they came home like around the holidays a little too drunk. And then they'd mm -hmm. be crying, right? Especially right. my mom. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you don't realize how young they were until you get to totally. be their age. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, I was born, when I was born, my mom was 30 and my dad was 31. So My yeah. parents were 20. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so. Okay. So they were partying even harder than my parents. Yeah, it was the 70s. That's so, yeah, great. It was good. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so talk a little bit about uh, what high school was like for you. Um, you know, it was it was not too bad. I was just talking to my wife about it the other day. Um, so I met her when I, you know, we've been together since my junior year of high school. So I I found something that worked and stuck with it. <laughs> stuck with it. Yeah, so, sure. Yeah. Um, good on you. Yeah, so I... Uh, uh, you know, I, I grew up there in Springfield and, and my first job was at McDonald's, which is where I met my wife. Oh, wow. Okay. She was a vision of loveliness in, in polyester pants standing <laughs> over the fly, over the fry machine. Um, that's awesome. And, uh, you know, we were sort of, we went to the same school, but we're sort of in different circles and, and sort of connected in that way. You know, my circle in school was was sort of these academic overachievers, gotcha. geeks and dorks and nerds. And, yep. you know, uh, and our routine was every Friday night we would go to the movies. You know, I remember seeing nice. Batman, 1989 Batman, first night in the, at midnight. In a that long, was the Michael Keaton. In the long night, line. Right. It was Michael Keaton. Yeah. Yep. And with um, that Prince soundtrack. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So. My friends and I would also, we started making movies on the weekends. This was oh, wow. my one, my one, uh, a good, really good friend of mine. His dad was a photographer and a wedding photographer who had gotten like all this video equipment um, before everybody else. Okay. Wow. And we were able to really just go wild with that. You know, Holy we cow. had, we were able to edit, we were able to do all sorts of cool video things that other That's people amazing. weren't able to do just because we had this we had this equipment and we would just fun. go, go in the woods and murder each other. And, <laughs> and we would, um, you know, uh, we did a big Batman parody one time and it was just, it was all sorts of, all sorts of fun with these, 
with these guys. So what and sort of equipment was this? Was this like the uh, uh, what, like a film was, camera or like a no? It was VHS? a big bulky VHS camera. Okay, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, we were, but he had this editing machine at at home because he used it to make these wedding videos. Oh wow! And we were able to cut and and do graphics overlaid and stuff like that. It was so it was super rudimentary, right. but it was it, it really it really kept us in stitches. So, but it was interesting. <laughs> Because at the same time, our school, uh, our senior year, had created a media class, which oh, was wow. a uh, like a pilot program in the city for us to make a a TV show, air quotes, right? <laughs> uh, okay, a news a news show that yeah. was on the on the local public access station. Oh wow! And, we, and and it's still going strong to this this day. Hillcrest High School in Springfield, Missouri is like known nationally for this student TV journalism that they do. And we were the first class to do that. That's and we took amazing. it super, super seriously. Wow. You know, it was yeah, like good for you. different, different segments, you know, investigative stuff, you know, <laughs> feature stuff. And, and what's going and, on in the cafeteria? Find out. at it, exactly, <laughs> no, it, it was really, it, it was really amazing. And it was like, and, and so that's what I was talking to my kids about the other day. My, so my senior year uh, of high school was the breeziest senior year in, his, in history. I had this okay. media class, right. TV media. I had journalism, the school paper. Okay. I had, I had English, I had debate, and I had history. So it was like wow. all the stuff that was in my group, no math and science nice. as far as the eye could see. <laughs> Um, so it doesn't sound like you're on the college prep track at that point. Well, you know, I or had you finished guy. all of your stuff for college prep? You know, I liked writing and my, okay. like I said, my dad, my dad was in journalism. Right. That's, I dug it. And it was like, that's awesome. um, that was my outlet. You know, I wasn't on the, on the camera with the guys in the movies. I was helping to write. You were writing the stories. scripts and the stories. Yeah. And okay. same thing with the media class. Gotcha. Um, so you weren't all that into the editing, editing, right? You were more no. I was just like, guy. let's have ideas and what can we do? Yeah. Uh, so you were already and, the creative guy. Yeah. Okay. And at the same time, if you remember back in the '90s, <laughs> early '90s, uh, on the computer side of things, I was really into like this local BBS that we had. I don't know. If you I remember do remember BBS. local BBS. BBS yeah, but it was like services. It was sort of yeah. like. The uh, the before there was AOL chat rooms, there were BBSs, right? Right. That you would it dial might... into, right? Yeah. Uh, like one on one with your you know forty eight k baud modem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, my, I do remember my... that, and they made that sound. My, pa- my parents were really cool about that. They they got a comp- They got me a TI ninety nine. I don't know. Texas, Texas Instruments, Instruments. yes. I and do. that was like, I was a sixth grader. I mean, I think that wow. was, you know, not, I think that was 84, 85 that they yeah. got that. Right. Then when we moved to Springfield, we got an Apple II GS, which Ooh, is like. That's a nice computer, the Apple yeah, II GS. And, I think my, my roomie in, uh, in Japan had one of those. It was like, you go back now and see how much those were. You know, I mean, it was $1,000 yeah. in, you know, 1987. Which yeah. Crazy. So I know. So I always had like a really great computer and, and really uh, was on that BBS talking about D and D and talking about movies and and really getting those people in my community. And I remember when 
I remember when we had our first like live meetup and explaining to my mom in 1991, hey, I'm going to go meet these people and hang out with them who I met on the computer. Oh, yeah. She was scared. <laughs> she had the, yeah, she had the police on speed dial ready for me yeah, to be I murdered. <laughs> <laughs> no, mom, they're just kids like me. They're just, yeah. nerds. they're just nerds. That's great. And so, um, and so uh, that's what I was doing. I stayed in Springfield to go to college. Okay. And as soon, and as, soon as I could go, uh, start writing for the newspaper where my dad worked. Oh, wow. As soon as I could go start going covering football games, I did. Wow. And okay. I did. I remember the very first one I did. And after that, it was, that's all I wanted to do. You were hooked. But, oh yeah. So you studied journalism in college then too? Yeah. So I went to, uh, Missouri state, what was Southwest Missouri state, but what's Missouri state now. Okay. They didn't have a journalism major, but so I majored in English, you know, lived in my parent college. I, I had the world's most uneventful and boring college experience. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong. I could not wait to get done. I had college life sort of had no appeal to me. Interesting. It was like, you know, I had my friends right. from school that I still hung out with, but my but my focus was I need to get out of here and get a job. And the sooner I can do that, the better. Okay. You know, I had scholarships, so it was all paid for. Wow. Which is, oh, that's you cool. Know, which which was amazing. That is amazing. And so, were you working in college at the same time, or were you? Yeah, just, I mean, okay. I, that was my other thing. Is I had I tried to get as many jobs as possible. So. Right. You know, I, I became the sports editor of the college newspaper. I worked okay. on the yearbook. I had an internship at the local TV station and oh, then wow. I worked at, and I worked at the library. So it was all, it was wow. all words for my, yeah. And you had <laughs> no time to have any sort of animal house antics in, in no your, animal. I, I didn't really, <laughs> I wasn't psyched about animal house. You know, it was, you know, you see all these, you know, a lot of the people who work with me and for me, you know, every other weekend is somebody going to somebody's wedding. And I was like, I, I don't go to weddings because I don't have like 29 college friends. So <laughs> it, was, it, was all, it was all full speed ahead. Oh, and then I'm like, hey, I have this girl who I also love and I'm going to marry. So that there is no sort of no drama uh, there. Right. No, no pain of, da- of the dating life. So I was, okay. I was set. Wow. Wow. You just figured stuff out like immediately. You're like, okay, I'm all in on this journalism thing. I'm not screwed around. I'm not going to stay out and like, you know, get lost in a funk and find myself in a, you know, pile of vomit in Mexico. No. No. I mean, every, I mean, every Friday night I was at a football game. Right. Because you were working. a basketball game. Right. Because I was working. So, right. So I don't know if that was determination or lack of imagination but you know that's <laughs> i i got through in four years and and i graduated on a friday and started my first job on so. did you keep playing D D in college too yeah um okay, good <laughs> i had a you know i had this good group of friends there was an arcade at, the, at our school I so we spent arcade, most of yeah. our time there right there in the student union playing dumb games right um and Karate you know, had a, and- <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, Double Dragon and right. uh, the, the the big X Men game. Do you remember that? It's like 
big or the big oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Ninja, or the big Ninja Turtles game that was a yes. four player game. So. Oh wow, yeah, <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, I mean, I just sort of kept hanging out with the people I I'd known for a long time and and um, and was ready to get out of there. So so what was your what was your first job out of college? Did you go work for the your dad's newspaper like you you, so, thought you would? No, I was. Well, I I had become a part time worker there at the newspaper okay. in Springfield, and then when I was ready to graduate, I sent letters to papers all over the place. And so my first job out of college, so I'm in Oklahoma City now. Right. My first job out of college was in a small town called Muskogee, Oklahoma. Okay. Uh, you know, working at a, you know, working working as one reporter of, of a ten person newsroom making $19,000 a year in 1994. So it was, okay. It was a good starter job. I mean, you know, yeah, you don't know. I thought it was cool because house, I got yeah. it. So. Right. <laughs> wow. But you know, it's good because, you know, at least you're in the, you're not like, you know, just doing something to make money. You're doing something you actually wanted to do. So that's good. Well, yeah. I mean, people right. were paying me to go, cover ball games so you know so is this like a radio station a tv station or no it's a newspaper okay all right gotcha gotcha so so i was just there worked my tail off my wife and i those were a few of the party years Uh, of what party years i had was (laughs) when we were first married your early 20s you're just you've got your first job you've got a little extra money yeah i got you know we're first married we're we don't have kids we have a little bit of money you know, we have some friends that we were making from the people I work with who are also all 25-year-old knuckleheads, you know, <laughs> just trying to w- work in their first job. Knucklehead, you know. yes. I, my dad called me a balloon head. <laughs> <laughs> in a very loving way. Not a, you know, I always knew that that meant I had done something stupid, but he still loves me. Ah, mm-hmm. you balloon head. <laughs> What'd you do? Anyway, yes. Okay. So, so, so yeah, I mean, I learned a lot there. You learn, you know, yeah, how to manage your life and how, you know, you, the best way to learn writing is to keep writing and writing. And I would just write right. two or three stories every day and, and really was sort of fascinated by just the, the business itself. How do we capture readers' attention? How do we make things interesting and not boring? And, Right. And then and then slowly in the background of this whole thing is like, you know, the the web, you know, it's like, ah, you know, these right. are the this is 94 when I got my first job. OK. You know, everybody had their AOL disc right. in, yes. in the mailbox. You yes. Know. Yes. You and know, so I, I kind of skipped all over AOL. I mean, it, I never really got on it, but I knew. It was a thing. So while right. AOL was going on, I was overseas. Uh so, well, yeah. sort of, I guess. Yeah. So I was in Japan from 88 to 90. And then, so Japan is really overseas. We just had like a, mm-hmm. like modem based internet service, mm-hmm. um, but not AOL, of course. And then, mm-hmm. uh, and then in Hawaii, again, I had some sort of, I can't remember, but I had some sort of, I, I remember having a modem and I remember having some sort of pre-internet thing. Like, I can't mm-hmm. remember what it was. It was like OL, but not, not like AOL, but not AOL, where mm-hmm. I could get on. And I remember, like, being really excited the first time I saw, like, 
and all that text-based, like I can log into my whatever service it was and then sign into another computer <laughs> somewhere <Right>. else. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, and now I've got this text-based menu where I can, I think it might've been like a college library or something, right? Mm -hmm. And you can mm -hmm. look stuff up, right? And I was like, oh, it's like I'm traveling. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Without leaving my house, right? And that was all uh, pre-internet days. Yeah, it was fun. Well, I'd worked at the library during college. I worked at the city public library. And oh, it wow. was like, but that was like early days of, <laughs> it, my, my job at the public library was I was a reference librarian. And this was when I was in college. Okay. And so my job was to answer the phone and answer people's questions. Oh, wow. Okay. Somebody would call up. This was. I was Google. My wife says I was Google before Google. Was Google. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and okay. so people would call up and they would say, hey, what's the capital of Argentina um, to settle some bar bet or to, you know, get you because they're working on a report. Yeah. And I had a, a huge sh uh, shelf of atlases and dictionaries and all this stuff. And that's what I would do all day is answer people's questions. Wow. So there's also like this trivia part of my brain, too, um, that. Um, that rears its ugly head every time. Yeah, no. So I've I've tried out for Jeopardy every year since I was eighteen. Wow. I still haven't got on. Wow. Um, my my theory is they're afraid that I'll come and win too much money. But I'm like, that's the other thing I love. You know, another oh, bad thing I have. Holy cow! So don't mess with Mike when it comes to uh, Trivial Pursuit. You get your ass yes. handed to you. Well. <laughs> Trivial <laughs> Pursuit is a big controversy in our family. Oh, really? Because okay. when I was a kid, <laughs> and the first when the first Trivial Pursuit came out, that was like when I was in junior high or high school, or whatever. And I would, I just read the, all the boxes of all the questions. Oh, right. No, you just memorized would, them, huh? And nobody would play with me. Right. And, uh, <laughs> and they they right. still bring it up. I mean, they 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 still bring it up to this day. And I'm like You're cheating. <laughs> I'm, and, and my argument is, it is a skill in and of itself to remember all of those. Right. Those Just things. because I've it's read not, them doesn't mean it's that. not my fault. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, nobody will play games with me. That's funny. That that was a fun game. You know, it was a fun game. It oh, uh, yeah. it it definitely like. I think I noticed like it was the the adults that were willing to play were always much, much smarter than me. And then yeah. the adults that knew they weren't would refuse to play. <laughs> yeah. That's what I remember. So I think the first time I saw like a really like educated adult was probably the pastor at church. Mm -hmm. And he didn't play because he knew he would blow us away. <laughs> But nice. occasionally he would walk by and look at a question and go, yeah, I know that answer. Uh, I was like, oh, well, okay, look at that. <laughs> that so college is valuable as far as like trivia goes anyway. Okay. Well, of course, all of these, uh, the dark side of this is all of this created seeds of a desperate need for affirmation yeah. and a, de a, a desperate <laughs> need to be graded and evaluated. Right. And I don't know. So, so. Keep that in mind as we fast forward later. I, yeah, too. you know, I, I'll go ahead and admit I had the same disease that you had, right? Yeah. So, like, when I was a younger kid, not quite high school, so I would guess maybe like 
elementary, junior high years, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. I was uh, I was that annoying kid in Sunday school that would go home and memorize everything. Right, like mm-hmm. there was this list of things that you know you had to memorize to graduate uh, Lutheran school or whatever. Hey, yeah, uh, you know, the confirmation. You that? Yeah. yeah, the confirmation, right? Uh, and I just was hard on it. Right, I would go home right. and just memorize and just, and I got really good at it. Right, so and they would then they would have the sort of like small catechism. Yeah. You know, thou shalt not kill. What right, right, yes, yes, yes. Well, no, it was just like it, all they wanted us to do was regurgitate it. Yeah, no, I right. was do the twenty third psalm. You know, crap. <laughs> oh, don't let Jeff play. He knows them all, right? So I was that annoying kid that memory. No, I him. went. I was we. I was a little Lutheran kid who had to go to confirmation. Right, and stand up, <laughs> stand up on Sunday and say all the books of the Bible. Yeah, in front of the uh, whole congregation. Oh, geez. yeah. Okay, you, yeah, you had it worse than me. Uh, ours was just sort of like a a catechism sort of trivia game in uh, Sunday school. Yeah. And I just annoyed like the other kids in the class. They're like, uh, rolling their eyes at you dork. Screwing up the curve. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Exactly. (laughs) I'm like, Hey, it's, I, I, I'm not that smart. This is what I've got. Leave me alone. (laughs) Right. Okay. So, all right. So I think we're probably, so uh, I, I'm sure this this first job doesn't last forever. Is there anything else we need to get to before we get into the the big story of the fake it till you make it story? Okay, so I bounced around at a few different newspapers. We went out and lived in Washington State for a couple of years. Oh, nice, Washington. Went State's back awesome. to Muskogee, yeah. and eventually I was hired in in 2000 by the Oklahoma the newspaper in Oklahoma City. Okay, so big paper, you know, biggest circulation in the state. I was hired to be the deputy sports editor in the sports department. Wow. Um, Sounds like a big sort of, job. Yeah. I, you know, we plan. Yeah. I was in charge of plant of, I was over all the reporters who did college sports and all of that. That's a lot. But, but, um, I, I became the guy who figured out the internet and especially social before everybody else did. And so this was in the two thousands, you know, the website was, was becoming just more than a tool to just repost things. Right. So I became I became really curious about what tools were out there that could help us tell stories. And okay. so I got into I got into social really early. Um, I got we did live streaming like wow in the pre YouTube you did live two thousand seven pre YouTube live streaming that was hard and, that was a lot of work. <laughs> well, the, and, and we started getting. So what we were doing in sports started getting attention uh, in amongst journalism circles. And so I eventually my job was to do that for the entire newsroom. And so we did some really innovative things. And, you know, one time when Oklahoma City had a big ice storm, we took a laptop and and duct taped it to the wow. the dash of somebody's car and we yeah. live streamed the roads on the website. Oh, that's awesome. And people and I was like, I, I was doing a live chat while this was going on. And people would say, hey, can you check on this road? And we would drive down that road with our laptop, our portable uh, hotspots, yeah. me, me on a chat uh, wow. doing doing that. So we started doing Sounds like a blast. Really, <laughs> really cool stuff. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it was super fun. It was, you know, and that was during the time, too, where we were also able to see 
sort of real metrics about what stories people were really reading, which was sort of a watershed event, you know, in my, in, in my opinion, in, in all of journalism, you know, and it was me with numbers from the web fighting with people who'd been there for 50 years to sort of there, they knew what was good for the readers. And I was saying, well, the reader is telling us what they, would like, <laughs> right. what they would like to read instead. So it was really this, we called it a hamburgers versus broccoli debate, which is people say they want to eat hamburgers. So let's just keep giving them hamburgers in terms of content. Right. And then the other people were like, well, they need to eat this broccoli of, you know, of zoning commission meetings and right. information and an information diet that is good for them. Right. Not and just so, something that makes us money. <laughs> yeah. So that was my young rebellious years. And at the same time, the entire journalism, print journalism business is just like crumbling beneath our feet. So, right. So long, long story short, you know, from what we were doing on social and on the web, I was able to speak at a bunch of conferences around the country. I was seeing what was happening on social. Um, and then, so I left in 2009 uh, just ahead of like serious layoffs in, in the industry and went and worked for a, a public relations firm. Okay. Sort of getting their, them wrapped around the idea of what digital marketing was. Right. And I worked, worked there for a year. Um, you know, it wasn't sort of a great culture fit because I come from a newsroom where people stand up and yell at each other and I go to a PR firm where Everybody wears a suit and tie, and it's very quiet. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, um, different culture. So after learning, yeah. Yeah. after learning about agency life, I left and started my, and started Smirk. Okay, in 2010. Yeah, yeah, so. right. Holy cow, that is so, uh, that. That's a it's a great lead up to you know starting your own business because you know you're sort of like having a great time. It sounds like you're having a blast. Yeah nerding out right at the edge of this rolling wave that is like the internet and new media and social mm -hmm. media and all of that. So I, I love the story of you driving around in the winter snowstorm live chatting with, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> so thanks. Yeah. Thanks for all of that. I, I, <laughs> I wish I had been there, but you kind of, I kind of was now because now I have that picture in my mind. It's almost like you were one of those, uh, um, tornado hunters, but a little less dangerous. Oh, <laughs> I know a bunch of those crazy people too. So that's like, that's like every other week here in Oklahoma city. So yeah. I bet. Yeah. Tornado alley. Right. Yep. Okay. So, so give us the, uh, the story of the fake it till you make it. So, you know, you know, a lot of the sort of like what to do, right. The how, mm -hmm. but you probably right. are not so sure about how to do it on your own, the business side. Right. Yeah. So I, so you know, I started a business. I basically bought a laptop from a pawn shop and parked myself at Starbucks and decided, hey, we have a business now. <laughs> well, and, that's better um, than a lot of people. I had no money. I had no clients. Um, and I was I was teaching people about something and then asking them to give me money for it. So oh. that was the er that was the early days of social media marketing. Right. Um, you know, but fortunately, we had a lot of really good success early on. I, I was really one of the first people to, to do this for a living in Oklahoma city. And, you know, and 
but but what happened that I that was really toxic was sort of what was happening in the real world was never enough for me when I was talking about the business. You know, if I had two clients, I would tell people I had four. You know, uh, if I right, had, right. you know, if if we were if I was busy only a little bit, I was telling people I was overwhelmed. You know, it was everything right. was sort of on steroids to keep up the idea that I was living sort of this hustle culture life. You know, Gary Vee was happening then and all right. these people were this was the lifestyle. This was the you know, you gotta go out there and kill it every day. And if you're not killing it, then something's wrong with you. Right. And, and hustle, 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 hustle. Yeah. No work your, work your tail. <laughs> work, yeah. Right. Work your tail off. And, and it, it just created in my mind, this, this really crazy mentality of, I have these new, sh- new things that value that measure my worth. You know, how many clients I have measures my worth, right. how much revenue we have measures my worth. Does it, do I have an employee? Does that, how does that measure me? And right. it was like, it got me into this cycle of, you know, I could, I was just lying to people. I was lying to myself. Right. The truth is, and it's not like the truth was bad. The truth was just okay. The truth was yeah. natural, normal right. progression. But it didn't um, seem like it was something you could share because it didn't sound as good as everybody else. Right. It was never right. impressive enough to say, say a number when you could say twice the number or whatever. Right. You know, it was like, and, and I would just, but then it also set up this really real fragility when a client would quit or I wouldn't get, you know, wouldn't close the deal or something like that. And I would just crash. It was right. just like total judgment of who I was and what I was doing. And, it created this up and down cycle, what depending on what the balance was in the checkbook, you know, sure. how much I was working. And, and this was when I was doing the client work too. So I was trying to do develop, you know, do the business development and do client work at the same time and really doing both of them. Very, me- <laughs> very mediocre. Right. You know, right. Gotcha. and it was like, and, and eventually you know, we had hired a few people, um, but about what was it? It was it was 2016. I just crashed. I I couldn't get out of bed, and I was ready. Wow. To, I was ready to. I was ready to just be done. I mean, I could not. I hated my. Nobody hated me more than me. Was right. what I what right, I would right, say because right. I knew how full of crap I was. Right. And I knew how I was just, what ended up happening too is I was sacrificing. Uh, I sacrificed my family to make, keep all of those plates spinning. Sure. I paid, I paid myself last. I, you know, I thought I was being noble and everything like that, right. but I was right. really overextending. I mean, I was paying employees so I could say I had employees when my, you know, I'm not able to pay my own bills at home and yeah. just kicking myself every day. And so I was ready to be done with the whole thing. I was suicidal. 
and my wife, um, who is a saint of person, who is there is no better person on the planet to my wife, and who's good, who doesn't have any of my bad tendencies. Okay. He, he, uh, I went to the hospital. I just, it, it was the, let me have your shoes, shoelaces, and your belt, and I went to the hospital. Wow. That's tough. Holy cow. Yeah, I mean, I just had to, I had to stop because it was literally a spinning wheel in my head that never stopped. Yeah. Because it was never going back to like how you measure yourself. There's no end to that race. There's no end to what is, you know, that what is the definition of success? Yeah. There's no, there's no answer to that because you never get, it's a perpetual race that you're always chasing. Right. Chasing after. Yeah. Because it's, like, it's always can be what's, more. What's the purpose of capitalism? Right. More. And it's more and more. <laughs> more. And more. <laughs> more. <laughs> yeah. More. Right. I mean, and so there's like, always more. Right. It, yes. So I had to cut it off. And I also had to realize what I. What I couldn't what I was bad at, what I couldn't do. OK. And for, fortunately, I was blessed by first a great wife. But also, my first hire was a was a kid that I just hired as an intern. Her name's Allie Carey. Um, right. Okay. She was my number one employee. She is now my partner in the business. Wow. She basically took a she stepped up in such a huge way when I had to step out. Okay. And righted the ship and kept things going. And her and a handful of employees just, you know, kept the the brand from blowing up you right. know kept uh, took all the work that in relationships i broken and fixed them i was able wow. to step back for a while sort of reevaluate what i needed to be doing which was just getting business and just talking about the brand and 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 really not stressing over the day to day and totally and so so it's still a work in progress man it's still i bet it's still medicine and counseling and okay and being realistic in how i set expectations for myself and okay how i see my worth and all of that but yeah yeah. you know it wouldn't it wouldn't happen without uh, a huge support system and that's and that's what I, you right. know, when people are out there starting a business and people are still doing it a lot, right? you have to have a good support system around you. Yeah. You have to know what you can't do and hire people yeah. who can do that better. Totally. And, and I, just, I think, yeah, another thing that I'd touch on is the don't buy into that treadmill, sort of toxic treadmill mentality. Oh, yeah. Right. Don't buy into that. It's there. Yeah. Be aware of it. But, you know keep your brain on you know <laughs> right and do it healthy yeah i think that's the that's the takeaway here is like there's a good way to do this and there's a right. bad way to do this so and you, the, the yeah. other thing is nobody cares totally nobody <laughs> when you, cares when you, you're right when nobody you're talking cares. about you're right you know if i would have just told the truth right nobody i, I was bragging to people who didn't care totally you know i was right. i was bragging people who i didn't need the value the validation of right i just you know if i would just like i don't because i was wanting affirmation oh you're doing it you're amazing 
you're doing a great job. Look at the right. thing. That you wow. When, How'd you do when, that? Yeah. Right. Yeah. When, if it just, how it's grown has been amazing in its own right, even without me having to embellish that. Right. You know, the truth was good enough. You just didn't. The truth was good enough. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yes. And if somebody had That's told great. me that yeah. a few years ago, you could have and, saved yourself a lot of trouble, right? Yeah. And I think wow. that's the lesson for everybody. It's like, in a, and it just, it bubbles up into my mind in the, in the silliest little ways. You okay. know, it's like yesterday I was going to a meeting and on the way there, I spilled a little something, like it spilled a little water on my shirt. Okay. And it's like, the part of my part of the 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 unhealthy part of my brain is like, oh my god, this person is going to think you're you're a fool, you know, and you can't, you know, you're you're a klutz or whatever. And yeah. then the other part of me, the healthier part of my brain, says, hey, you know what? If you go and say to the person, I spilled some water on my shirt, they probably spilled water on their shirt before, <laughs> and it's okay. Right. It's, it's all we built up these things in our mind, like the other person. Other people are just living these perfect lives and everything that we screw up has never been screwed up before. When most of the time, it's like when the dog barks when you're on a Zoom call and you're like, oh, this is so embarrassing. And then, but then everybody else says, oh yeah, my dog barked when I'm on a Zoom call too. Yeah. So so it's just like freeing yourself of the idea that you're the only imperfect person. Correct. Yes. That's a very important lesson. Um, Yes. I recently found an old book that I may or may not have bought on Amazon. It was in my Kindle queue called Mm -hmm. Buddha's Brain. I think I bought it, but it might be. There's a big set of free books that you can read on Kindle if you have Amazon Prime. Mm -hmm. It might be part of Prime Reading. But it it was written by a scientist. I want to say somebody like like neurologist or neuropsychologist. So there's there's a scientific component to it but then they also use like sort of like the tenets of buddhist philosophy not Mm -hmm. the religion part to sort of like tell you all these things about how the brain is sort of like wired for negative right it's got a negative news bias to keep Mm -hmm. us alive in a survival mode right right? so when we were out there you know living in the woods and in the trees or on the savannah or wherever the hell our ancestors (laughs) were right? right we had to have this negative bias built in or else we would get eaten by predators mm-hmm. and it's still there. Right. So every mm-hmm. time you have this judge judgment voice in your brain, you have to go, Oh yeah, that's right. Uh, I have that. <laughs> and so right. does everybody else. Right? right. It doesn't make you any, you know, and the other thing you said was really important to me that I only, you know, just recently reminded myself of is nobody gives a shit about you. Right. right. <laughs> no one is keeping store. Well, and you know, if they, if you like spill water on yourself on a zoom call or something, they'll laugh mm-hmm. and, and, yeah. and, and, and maybe, you know, point and go, <laughs> and that's about, you know, now they're done thinking about that event. <laughs> yes. You're not <laughs> right. You just think, Oh my God, what kind of shithead am I? Right. You know, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know. Yes. So anyway, there you go. We all have these human brains that are wonderfully, horribly chaotic and uh, are trying to kill us on a regular basis. <laughs> exactly. Don't listen to them. Don't listen. Well, you have to listen. 
Right. But then you have to. So there's another thing that I learned too. Maybe you've learned this, maybe not. But uh, you don't want to live life with the rose colored glasses. I went through that Pollyanna phase, I like to call it, mm-hmm. where I'm just like, just deny in basically sort of like a happy, stupid denial about everything. Right. Which is not healthy either. Yeah. You actually have to take in negative information and, you know, say kind of feel shitty a little bit. That's mm-hmm. okay. Just as long as you inject a little bit of love, self-love on that, right? then feel bad, but not mm-hmm. so bad that you think you need to off yourself. Because I, right. I, I was there too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that negative, yeah, that self-talk is just, can convince you of so much. Yes. Convince you that, you know, every, everybody, you, you know, everybody is out to get you or everybody is, knows that all the mistakes. Made. Like, so did you go mm-hmm. through depression? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I remember yeah. I was, I was depressed in Hawaii. So Just, that's and I a was, feat. I know. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay. So there's good things and bad things about, I, I would say on the whole, it's probably a real blessing and saved my life that my depression happened in Hawaii Mm -hmm. because, okay, yeah, there were suicide attempts and yeah, I was like crying a lot and you know, all the things that go with depression. But because I was in Hawaii, all of my family, like lots of people were visiting me, right? Because Mm -hmm. I was in Hawaii, right? They're like, Oh, I have a free place to stay in Hawaii. (laughs) (laughs) So they came and ultimately saved my life, right? My parents, my cousins, my aunt, my best friend ever, they all came Mm -hmm. to visit me and, you know, saved my life for sure. Now, they didn't even know I was depressed and or suicidal, but if they hadn't have shown up, I'm pretty sure I I wouldn't be here talking to you, Mm -hmm. right? So, yeah, yeah, thanks. Thanks, Hawaii, for saving my life, for being so awesome. And you're in the background right now. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, yes, depression. I remember um, we can chat a little bit as we wrap up. Um, just some of the strange things that, like, I remember when I was depressed, like, seeing people that weren't depressed and going, how do they do that? Right? You remember right. that feeling? Mm-hmm. You yeah. know what I'm talking about? Right? It's mm-hmm. like, how do I get back there? Because they, they yeah. look okay. And I've, yeah. I've, I've lost my way back to okay. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. It's just like... Right. <laughs> you, I was also off, off the scales on the anxiety, too. Okay. Yeah, I, t- I test well. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but when I took this test, you know, uh, 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 as I was going through this, I had this you know, sort of depression, anxiety, neurology test, and... And, you know, it was, it was sort of uh, a result of this fast processing speed that had, you know, helped me memorize all the Trivial Pursuit cards and all of this other thing. Uh I was going through, I was cycling through the self, bad self-talk so quickly. It was like mistake, Mm. condemnation, regret. Self-loathing, right. Yeah. (laughs) And all of this was like, that was on the treadmill in my head too. It was like, wow. as soon yep. as something bad would trigger, this cycle would start. And I just, I had to slow that down. I had to, 
you know, I had to find better ways of talking to myself and just really be content about, you know, and that's helped with my spiritual walk, has helped with that, you know, counseling has helped with that and just really trying to find, you know, my, um, what's on my Twitter bio and probably will be on my tombstone now is, is content means two things, means two things, content and content. So those, those are the two. Ah, hey, <laughs> I <Yeah>. like that. <laughs> there is an anti-contentment sort of like, like you can't, you're not allowed in a lot of circles, right? To be content, right? It's right. almost like a dirty word to some people. Right. It's like, oh, you quit, right? Yeah. It's like, oh, no, no, no. I, I learned a lot of the things that like I fantasized about as mm-hmm. a kid, like uh, we all do, especially maybe 80s kids, I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. But, um, you know, like for a while I wanted to be a comedian or for a while I thought I could be like a rock star singer or something, mm-hmm. right? And as I go, right, each one of those insert fantasy job here, I like now I have come to the point where I, I'm really, really glad I didn't have to do that. It's almost mm-hmm. like, uh, my new mantra is the next the, the next thing I see is like, oh, yeah, I remember I wanted to be a comedian. And I, mm-hmm. I learned really fast that I didn't want to do that. So I got lucky on that one because <laughs> um, it really doesn't fit my personality. And right. I don't like writing. Right. So mm-hmm. I, I wanted to be a comedian all the way up until I found out that they're writing down and meticulously crafting all of that. Mm-hmm. And it's not extemporaneous or improvisational at all. It's right. all written out and yeah. they're so good at it. <laughs> it makes it seem like it's all coming from nowhere. Right. Um, especially like guys like George Carlin. Right. But then that, when right. I realized that it was like super rehearsed and memorized, I was like, Oh, I'm out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, I'm out. I don't want to do that. Right. Right. I would much rather just be, you know, um, funny in the moment. Right. Like, like, mm-hmm. uh, I think Howard Stern says that, right? He was like, no, I could never sit down and write jokes and practice them forever. Right. But if you ask me to just talk, I can do that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. It's a completely different thing. Mike, this has been a blast. Uh, thank you for, uh, yeah, sure. for sharing your story with, uh, with me and, uh, and our friend, mutual friend out there in, in Internet land. So talk a little bit about how folks can best get in touch with Mike Kaler at smirknewmedia.com. Well, um, I'm on, don't look at the time report on my phone because it's embarrassing how much I'm on it. So I'm pretty <laughs> much available at, at all times. Wow. Uh, on, on the social medias, I'm MKOKC about just about everywhere. MKOKC, um, I like it. And then Smirk New Media, there's only one Smirk New Media. Right. We're a digital marketing firm here in Oklahoma City. We're also on all of the socials, you know, sort of out of professional obligation. Um, <laughs> of course. And so, so yeah, we're just here uh, doing good work and uh, trying to, uh, uh, you know, be good people. I think you're doing a good job. And I think you've, uh, you've learned and shared some really good hard lessons. So thanks for sharing again. And, all right, uh, I appreciate it. All right, have a good one. Talk to you later. You too, man. 
Thanks for taking the time to ride along with us on another episode of Vroom Vroom Veer. For podcast info and show notes, be sure to head over to vvveer.com. That's triple V double E-R.com. Man, that's fun to say. And we'll catch up with you next time here on Vroom Vroom Veer. Thank you.